I was waiting for you. Right, well, good evening, everybody. I guess, uh, this is my sixth year at Dover for a milestone. It's always a pleasure to come here. Uh, most of us are in recovery, yes, in the room? Yeah. So. So you go to meetings, like where I go, I live outside of San Francisco, so you'll be at a lot of meetings, and then inevitably someone will share that uh, they're amazed how everyone thinks like they do, and everyone feels like they do, and even a lot of them have done the heinous things they've done, you know, the unspeakable things they've done, and they get to such a point, but they don't go any farther, and then they just fall back into the self-centeredness. Yeah, and the evidence doesn't get useful really. But if you could just take it a step farther, if everyone in this room thinks like me, feels like me, and does similar behaviors like I do, how could they be my thoughts, my feelings, and my behavior? The feeling of my is you. It's unique. It's you own it. Yes. If everyone has it, it would just be the public goods, in a sense. But because there's that feeling that it's you, it overrides the obviousness of when you hear people share. That's what happened with me. I came into AA, and I had this very thick you know, skin of terminal uniqueness. I didn't think anyone ever thought like I did. You know, no one feels like I do. And no one did the heinous things or the terrible actions that I did. And after a few months of listening, because what we do here is we share thoughts, feelings, and you know stories about behavior, I had to come to two conclusions. How did they, you know, they're not. How did they get my thoughts, my feelings, or and this is the where the real relief is. They're not mine. Yeah. So if you took a, a general, if the society of recovered people around here, there's no, that sounds good, doesn't it? The society of recovered people, <laughs> like a little men's club. But let's say we set up, <laughs> if, we, if we did a survey, let's say, or like a study, and you see a lot of us seem to be very unique, and we think, no, you know, like I come from one place, you come from another you know, you're Jewish, I'm Catholic, all this stuff. Yet, on a large scale, we end up parking at the three, three parking spaces, which are institution, jails, and death. Yeah? Look at how many unique characters have ended up in Milestone. Yeah? I've seen it. Yeah? So, if all these thousands of different cars... You know, all think that they're very unique, that they have their own GPS. Yeah, <laughs> they have their whole their own way of driving. End up in the three parking space, same parking spaces. There's a clue there. There's a clue that maybe what you're taking to be yours isn't yours. Maybe we could at least make the step or make the leap to its ours. Yeah. In other words, all of us as hosts, all of us in this room, have been taken over by the same parasitical movement. I call it alcoholism, yes? That's what I... Because 
What? Well, I'll go into it in a little while, but we've all been taken over by the same host. Yeah? So we're all different hosts, but the same, the one parasite's taken us all over. Therefore, we exhibit the same traits. We sort of have the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same reactions to life. Yeah? Because they're not ours. The parasite of alcoholism is living a life through us. It's taken us over. Yeah? And if you can see it, the, this is, the whole message in this venue is to attempt to produce a picture in your head that what you take so personally is foreign. Yeah? That it's a foreign installment. That it's not you. Yeah? Because if you can entertain it's not you, the next thing you'll be able to entertain is I can be free from it. Instead of trying to entertain freedom from it, be, you know, as it and for it and through it and by it, you realize the freedom is from it. Because if you have a noble drive to be free, it's been co-opted. The sense of self, which is the bondage of self, is, t- is taking itself to be you. And that which is saying it wants to be free, it's never going free. So if you can see it, get a picture of it or an aha, that, see, that's what happened with me about the 11th year of sobriety. I was looking into some other, other invitations out there, but everything always came back to AA. Because me, AA is my way of life. Yeah. It allows me to live here, you know, a day at a time without having to be incarcerated uh, or in an institution and stuff like that. So, but there's other possibilities that may be able to illuminate your way of life, life more. Yeah, not to take their place, to take AA's place, but to bring more light into AA. And what happened was I was doing these workshops on the fourth step for years all over the place. And... Um, so I, I used to read How It Works every freaking week. And then something happened to my head. I don't know what, but something, sh- I, I call it like a download. Some, if something occurred, when, when, and then when I went back to that chapter and I saw the word self, it struck me as a foreign installment. It struck me as a parasitical movement. Because I remember I was in a program similar to this, but two years I lived there. And when I left the program, when I left the, the ceiling and the walls and all the people in the program, I was easy pickings. The parasite took me over and went out, used me for a 10-month little extravaganza. And, you know, the funny thing is, it never goes to jail, the parasite. It's not going to pay the ticking, ticket fines. Yeah? It's none of the, it escapes all consequences because you take yourself to be it. And when you really like to see the shit hit its fan, it's hitting your fan all day. So, what occurred is this sense of separation from that which was so intimate, you know, to the point where I'm identified as it. I'm identified as the parasite. As soon as I entertain, I could, it's not me. The next thing I entertain is I can be free from it. I can be free from it. Not free as it, not therapize it, not try to, you know, please, oh please, I'll give you anything if you don't act out at that picnic, or, or wish, maybe I'll have a three-month relationship, or something like that. No, free from it, yeah? Free from the bondage of self. Free. Like it says on page 80-something, it says, 
you'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought effort on your part. The problem will not exist for you. Okay? Now, that is an experience many of us have, but if you want that to stabilize is when you realize the problem doesn't exist as you. When you have separation from that which seems so close, that's where the real, real, real relief is. Yeah? So the bondage of self is a mental activity. We talk about it a lot when I come here, because I like people st- send me a lot of studies about parasites. And there's another study on this one parasite called Toxo, blah, 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 blah. So they just call it Toxo for short. It's in, quite a, it's in us. It's in our brain. One third of humans has it in the brain. But it's in a lot of mammals in this world, yeah? And it has one place and only one place it can reproduce, which is trippy. It can only reproduce in the stomach of a cat, yeah? Now, here's the parasite inside of you. Now, it can't go shopping. It can't go on a, you know, a cat dating thing on the internet. It's fucking limited by its location. It's in you. It's in the rat. It's in the mouse. What it does is it jacks into the rat's head and the, or the mouse's head and tells the mouse and rat, when you see a cat, run right towards it. Yeah? With the hopes that the cat will kill it and eat it. And then the, the parasite gets delivered to where it, its destination. Yeah? It overrides the primary instinct of all animals, self-preservation like that. You don't think we're take, not taking over? Alcoholism is just like that. Alcoholism takes us over. And it's a very nasty parasite, so it has the greatest strategy of all. It convinces the host that we're the parasite. It jacks into the thought system. That's why we all similar have the same alcoholic thoughts, because it's coming from the same source. Not millions of us have come up with these ideas. One parasite has come up with these ideas and jacked them into our thought system. And then it leads you to what it calls surrender, and it's called fuck it. It brings you to some point, oh, I hate this place, milestone, boom, blah, blah, whatever. And then you reach fuck it, and then once it has you there, it says, let's go. Let's split. You don't have a pot to piss in. You have nowhere to go. You're fucking, but, but, oh, yeah, and then you're out the door. And then as soon as you're out the door, it starts regretting that you have... It doesn't, get ju- it doesn't just get you one way, it gets you both ways. If you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Isn't it true? So this thing, this thing arises, the parasite jacks into our head, and if, if there was a big bug that flew in here, and I saw it, I'd knock it off. The first time, the 60th time, yeah? I would just keep knocking it off. So this parasite's much more hostile than any freaking bug. So we don't even entertain that we can knock it off because we're entertaining ourselves to be that. You can't see freedom from it. All you can see is freedom for it, as it, through it, by it, and it doesn't freaking work. If it did, there wouldn't be needs of thousands of meetings all freaking day. So to me... This is simple. You do the steps. You do everything we do here. To me, AA is like an operating table. You get on the operating table, don't get up, and don't play doctor, and everything goes really, really well. (laughs) I've been on the table now 28 years. You could be on it 28 days. It's the same doctor, the same principles. They work today. They'll work in 28 years. Yeah? You now have a way of life. 
And then hopefully your mental state, your mind, the big M mind, gets unfettered to the consequential level, and maybe you'll really be able to attain, entertain your real nature, which is of spirit. Yeah? And it says in our program, hey, the daily reprieve is contingent on the maintenance of your spiritual condition. Yeah? All right, so people are taking themselves to be a physical condition, aren't they? They're taking themselves to be a body. And so most of us are trying to become spiritual as a body, yeah? which is unbelievable. It's like water and oil. The body isn't going to become spiritual. I don't care how many yoga splits you do. The body <laughs> isn't going to become spiritual. It's a body, yes? But what would happen if you realize, maybe, just maybe, I'm not inherently a body. I'm moving through one, but I'm not that body. What would happen if you realize you were spirit? That's the highest form of maintenance of a spiritual condition, realizing you are a spiritual condition. Now your daily reprieve becomes stabilized. Now you have an immunity to what? To the thoughts. Yeah? Your day isn't navigated. You don't have a, that old GPS that has tons of old maps, and no matter, you're on a new, you know, a new highway, and it just tells you the same old, same old. You've never gotten to where it's promising. Why would you get there now? So for me, the freedom is from the bondage of self. The bondage of self is an invitation the mental state is giving you every minute, and the spirit is an invitation that's available every minute. Yeah? Either we're leaning one way or the other way, and the results will show in your life, basically. Yeah? It's easy, easy to diagnose. Yeah? If you're full of anxiety and worry, you're definitely entertaining a self. Yeah? Because selfing is all about time. The sense of self, there's no need for a sense of self to be present. You're awake right now. Yeah? Have you, when you wake up, let's say you're dreaming about, not New Jersey, let's say California, okay? <laughs> you open your eyes. How long did it take for that consciousness to get here? You know what I mean? I could be like, oh, as soon as my eyes open, what? <laughs> It's go time, yeah? You're on, aren't you? If you're laying here, no matter what, you're hearing sounds. Are you efforting to hear sounds? Is it like a workout? Do you get tired of seeing, like at two in the afternoon? Like, or is this seeing? <laughs> One, seeing, 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 seeing. No, it's, it's the simplest thing in the world. No thought or effort. That's your inherent nature. That which is seeing, that's what which is hearing, that which is feeling, that which is tasting, that which is touching is what we are. We are not the toucher, the feeler, the taster, nor are we the touch, the felt, or the thought of. We're something that's looking at all times, that's on. Have you seen a, a live body and that you knew them and then they died? It's usually very strange when you see who you thought was Fred and now it's inert in a coffin. The life is out of them. The body is totally there, but you get a very strong hit. That's ain't Uncle Fred. It was a mistaken identity the whole time. You're calling yourself a body, and you see everyone else as a body. This body, this eye, is not seeing a damn thing. It facilitates seeing. Yeah? This ear is not hearing. Consciousness is hearing. Your spirit is hearing. Your spirit is tasting. 
if this body died, this eye wouldn't be facilitating any seeing. And if it wasn't damaged, you could take it out, put it in a live body, and it would facilitate seeing. It's the aliveness. That's what we inherently are. We're not that which is thought about. We're before thought. What's seeing all the thoughts? And if you've listened to the head, why is it trying? So who is it trying to convince? Have you watched the stream sometimes? It sure seems like it's recognizing something else in there because it's trying to convince something to do something. Isn't it? It's saying, fuck, you know, I'd really like to have a beer. Yeah, and then two minutes later, you met, that beer would really... That beer, who's it trying to convince? But as soon as you, as soon as you buy the advertising, it talks as you. Now you're going right to the 7-Eleven. Now you're calling a deal like that. Who's it trying to convince? Who is the head talking to? Is it talking to itself? Hmm. It's getting hot in here. Eh? Yes. I'm stirred up. I really, it's like being at the scene of a heist, yeah? You s- I see people heisted all fucking day. Instead of realizing maybe what you truly are is inherently okay, we live on the hopes that we will be okay some future date. Or maybe nostalgically wax about once I was okay. What about now? How hard is it to be in a moment that you can't escape? Yeah. Nothing comes to pass unless you're witnessing it. You are it. Like they say in physics, the biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of it. So you could apply that to life. The biggest influence of any life is the living of it. Yeah. You and I give everything all the meaning it has. And what we're following is a meaning the parasite is giving to us. It's seeing threats where there are no threats. It's producing... Uh, is every, is, if people are bummed out tonight, is it tonight that's bumming them out? If you're flipped out now, is it now that's flipping you out? Or is it last week or next week? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's like, have you ever done this where you work? You go to you work, and then you get home, and at nine o'clock you make some food, and then you put on the TV, and then the head tells you you had a bad day. Yeah, doesn't it? And then it's a, you had a freaking bad day, Paul. And I mean, weren't you in the day? Wouldn't you know it was batting when it was batting? Why is it that you're on a 10-hour time delay to figure out what the hell's going on? They're really screwing with you. Wouldn't you know if they, when they were screwing with you? Why is it like, why are we so displaced that anything, or unbelievable shenanigans can happen in 10 hours? That's the bondage of self. It's not like we were bonded in Schenectady in 1993, and now we're looking. If it was, if we were bonded to something, it would be easy. Let's say if I was bonded to this chair, there would be something that had to bond me to it, which is, let's say, handcuffs, yeah? 
And if I could only find the right key, I could open that thing and I'd be freed from the bondage to the chair. And I'd walk away. But A, Bill W. says it's bondage of self. It's different, totally different. Bondage to self would mean it's a thing. Bondage of self is an activity. And it's a mental activity. Like Bill W. says, the problem resides in the mind. What's driving you crazy? Is it your elbow? <laughs> is your elbow concerned about next week? That it, when he plays tennis, it may get tennis elbow? <laughs> is it? No. It's the head, yes? It's like having a radio station, K-Paul, that's constantly just selling you golden oldies, but you can't pull yourself away from it because you think it's about you. If you had my thoughts in your head and you saw them as mine, you would fucking drop them in a second. But if the same thoughts, if, I'm, if I hold them as mine, they can drive me crazy for 40 years. Is it the thought? Or is there a participation that gives the thought the power to affect you? If it's a thought, then one thought would destroy us all. But that's not the case, is it? It's the thinker. It's the feeling that they're mine. That's where the bondage lies. We do it all the time. Every year I come here. Just put up three words here. Money, relationships, let's say sex. Everyone would see those words and it would trigger some kind of feeling, yeah? yeah? Maybe if you had money, you'd feel all right. If you don't, you'd be, it would maybe a little feeling of contraction would happen right now in the body. Okay? We're not going to, ch- we're going to change the, the meaning of every one of these words without changing the word at all. Money, sex, relationships, yeah? But now I'm going to add the word my in front of it. So here I am. I'd like to see all of you have a lot of money. But I don't want to see you have any of my money. You see the difference? It's money, my money. It's thoughts, my thoughts. Feelings, my feelings. I don't give a shit about most people's feelings, but my feelings, fucking Jesus Christ. I want you to listen for four hours about my feelings. I don't want to listen about your feelings unless I want something from you. But but my feelings, oh, I've written poems about my feelings. (laughs) Terrible, I send terrible texts about my feelings. You see the difference? The relief from the bondage of self is relief from my... If you could see that the thoughts that you're calling yours are at least, generally speaking, alcoholic thoughts, you'd have a little relief from it. Then if you saw all the thoughts weren't yours, you'd have more relief from it. And you would know the problem from the solution. When you get relief from the bondage of self, you will know what the problem is. It's just like the idea of gravity. Let's say if anyone in Dover at any restaurant today, I guarantee no one was talking about the effects of gravity on them. You know what I mean? Like my shoulder, oh, it's like this. If they went up a hill, they blamed the hill, the steep hill. They didn't blame gravity, but it was gravity that made it difficult, yeah? And everyone, and then you can read a book on gravity, and then you may think you know gravity. But in fact, the best way to know gravity is by its absence. If you went into an anti-gravity chamber and you, had, you were relieved from the effects of gravity, you would know what gravity was. And then you would know it, it wasn't the hill, it was gravity. Yes? No, no weird thing happened to my shoulder. It's been pressing on it. Yes? The solution will reveal the problem. 
So he's given Bill W. and these people gave you an idea. It's obsession with self or extreme concern with self. And I used to use an example at this workshop I did about a balloon. So balloon is going to represent this sense of self, yeah? And excess obsession with it is going to be represented by air. It's pretty easy to follow. So here's a balloon and air, and there's it's representing the self and obsession with self, all right? So now the balloon doesn't have much air in it, and the only, and see, the sense of self has a huge agenda, yes, to, to make it seem like it's happy, joyous, free. The balloon only has one agenda, which is not to be popped. It doesn't want to be popped. So right now it doesn't have much air in it, and its, its skin is pretty thick, and so it's pretty cool. You know, it doesn't see threats to it because nothing in this room can pop it. But now, some air comes into the balloon, and as the air gets in the balloon, what happens? The balloon gets bigger. As the balloon gets bigger, the skin gets a little thinner. And then what happens? Self-centeredness arises and goes, Jesus Christ, if I hit that ang- that door, I could be popped. Yeah? Oh, that person has a lit cigarette. Fuck him, you know. It's because I could be popped if I get close. You see? And so what does it do? It thinks more about the situation and tries to control it more, but more air comes into it. Well, because that's obsession with self. Yeah? So now the balloon is very, very big. The skin is really, really thin. And it's, it believes almost anything. It doesn't have to do with if it can pop it or not. It just matters if it believes it can. And what occurs? Resentments arise. The fear arises first. It's afraid it's going to be popped. And then resentments at all the things that it feels threatens its condition. This is exactly what happens with us. When we get obsessed with self, yeah, there aren't 800 resentments out there that we had the, the misfortune to run into 50 of them. Yeah? There's not resentments lit, you know, littered all over Dover that you ran into. And there isn't like a big vat of fear that we fell into. It's produced by the mental state. Yeah? So the obsession with self, like if you read the, read the book, it says, why are we in so much fear today? It's a beautiful question. He doesn't let us answer, or the book would have been about 1,500 pages. Yeah? It says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? So no matter how many fears or how many anxieties we all have in this room, we could bring it down to one statement. And it's not fear that's causing fear, it's self-reliance that's causing fear. And now if you look at reliance, so if I'm relying on somebody, I'm expecting them to take care of me and doing this and doing that. We've gone so far in reliance, we've become identified as that which we're relying on. We've become identified as a self. So in this extreme case, it's apt to produce a lot, a lot of fear. And it's really anxiety. Yeah? A fear is a valid emotion. But most of us are suffering from a lot of anxiety. We have, it affects us like a fear, but there's no apparent threat. It's all made up in the theater up here. Yeah? So this is never about dealing with fear. It's dealing with self-reliance. The third step is all about dealing with self-reliance. Realize, hey, I'm turning my will and life over to the care of a higher power, a power greater than self. Yeah. So a power greater than the parasite will bring you relief from the parasite. At this point, we're in a condition, many of us, that we're in self, and if we're trying to get out of self, Bill W. and AA says it very clearly, self cannot get out of self. Yeah? So you need a power greater than self to allow you to realize you were never in self, basically. 
The ideas that you have of yourself are not what you are. You're prior to ideas. You're prior to thoughts. You are the I. You are the seeing that's seeing thoughts. You are not a thought or a body that's being seen. You are the seeing of all thoughts. Right now, we're all on in this room. I don't care what your physical, mental, emotional condition is. You're... The spirit is flooding through your gates, you know. You're hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, thinking. It doesn't matter if you're doing something terrible or you're doing something beautiful. It's still there, isn't it? The onness isn't determined by your behavior. Your recognition of the onness is. Yeah? But the onness isn't. You're on. Incessantly. It's the most obvious realization. When you realize it, because it's constantly available at all times with no requirement necessary, you'll respond appropriately, which means you'll rest in it. The problem doesn't exist as you anymore. Hallelujah. Yeah? You start traveling lighter. And this, this, has, a, this has a destiny, this action figure. It has all, it's going to go in mountains and hills and valleys and chasms. It's going to get divorced, get married. But it, this doesn't say that's all going to change, but that you're going to travel lighter over it all. Yeah? And it's difficult to be grateful for what is absent in your life. But it produces a huge absence of a lot of fucking drama and a lot of shit. I haven't been arrested in 28 years where I couldn't last a week out there. What happened? Something intervened. See, it's sort of like a, a little dog that's yelping like crazy. Seems to run the house. What happens if I bring a bigger dog in? The little dog recognizes the bigger one and rolls over. This is sort of what it's like with selfing. The higher power is the bigger dog. You bring it into your life because the only thing that parasite respects is a power greater than it. It doesn't respect your lineage, anything. Your family, your mother, your father, not even your kids. It overrides all of that. But if you bring a higher power into the mix, it usually will su surrender and roll over because its resistance is futile. We're all touched by grace in AA, don't you think? Look, we're sitting in this room, like the whole situation or not, there's a loving God expressing itself in our group conscience. We get together, and if you looked at a lot of us in this room, we could all say maybe there's like 90% assholes, let's say, at least from our point of view. But getting together, we produce like a sweet bouquet. What the hell is that? You know what I mean? People you want to, we wouldn't want to see out there. You get together, and it produces, because that loving presence becomes obvious. Why? Because it overrides that obsession with self if you're willing to sit your ass in a room for an hour. The most progress I ever made in AA was, was doing nothing. Was just sitting in the room and listening. Yeah? More shit got derailed. More sh Oh, so many possibilities that could have just been horrendous were dismissed because we have meetings all day. So the sense of the, the train of self-will can't really get a lot of speed if you can derail it by just going to a meeting. But there is a part of participation you need to have, which is be attentive and interested. Show some fucking respect for it, you know, and then see what happens. I think the best thing when you meet a higher power is to honor it. 
with something that can do for you what you can't do for yourself, fucking, I'm going to expand that circle of what I can't do for myself. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? I'm going to throw it all in there. It's doing such a great job. All right, everything. And when the problem doesn't exist for you and stuff, then you understand serenity and you comprehend peace. Qualities that seem so foreign, we don't even know they exist, become apparent in your life. You feel content. You find the greatest purpose or the greatest fulfillment is to be used by this power that's greater than us. To be used, you know. The hose gets defined by the water moving through it. And to me, the water is the spirit. I come here... I don't know what I'm going to say here. I love to help everybody in some way. You know? But I have no I have no idea how that could possibly happen. So you just surrender and you're willing to be used. Yeah? Some people in recovery says, you know, you have to have it to give it away. I believe if you're willing to give it away, you'll have it. Yeah? If you're willing to show up, the spirit and the and the grace and the wisdom will move through you because none of it is yours. It's just moving through. So the amount of fear in one's life or anxiety is sort of based on the size of the balloon. If some of that air could be let out of the balloon then the self-centered fear wouldn't be arising because it doesn't feel like it's going to be popped and therefore you wouldn't see resentments where you're seeing them now. Your perceptions will change. Yeah, By allowing this program to work over you like running water. Now don't just get up in five minutes. Let it do its work. Yeah, It will undo a lot of shit you worked really hard to do. Yeah. And you'll be put to use, and you'll find a great fulfillment in it. There's nothing like I saw my friend, he was just working with some guy in AA for an hour and a half, and he felt the, you know, the spirit moving through him. That's the joy of life. There is a solution. You know, take it a further step. Is that which is driving me, me? Then how does it sound like all of you's? All of the me's that are over there. How does it sound so similar? It's one parasite taking over many hosts. We get together as the we so that we can recognize what's, been, what's happening. Yeah? Because how do you identify with me unless you've lived under the tyranny of the same parasite that I have? How come we identify with each other when we share? I don't identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over. Because I've lived under the same takeover. And now I'm living in the freedom from that takeover. Stay here. Try to have an open mind, you know. See, stuff will come in. I mean, it radically changed my life, and I've seen it change a lot of people's lives. But it's good to get to the exact nature of the wrong. Yeah. To see your role in things here. Because obviously most of us... See, it says that self-reliance is the producer of fear. Why? Because it's a failed system. Yeah? 
We're relying on a failed system to navigate through this little place. And it's not working, and it hasn't worked, and it will not work. Yeah? So in that admittance that it's a failed system, you'll start seeing how that system is reinforced all day, and you'll see your role in it. See, when a thought's just in your head, it's nobody's, is it? But if the thought compels an action, let's say of my girlfriend, I think about my girlfriend, or my ex-girlfriend, and I think I hate her, you know, maybe hundreds of times over six years, but I never said it. So she has, she's none the wiser. But that one time I say it, she's never going to forget that. So that thought that wasn't combined with an action left no mark here. But if that thought gets combined with an action, it may leave a very long-lasting mark, like a 20-year prison sentence. The freedom is here prior. Yeah? It, all the shit is, is after I think, not before I think. Before I think is where the relief is. After I think is where the shit gets manufactured. I think AA. I know AA. No, I have people. I meet people. They've gone to one meeting and they've come to the conclusion they know AA. <laughs> so, all right. And they. So when you go, hey, you're really not doing so well. What about AA? I know AA. So they've thrown out the top the the solution. You know, just threw it out there. You don't see it. The parasite's working overtime. It's trying to convince you to get to a point of fuck it, and then it's going to give one of its great ideas to you. Get loaded, sleep with your best friend's wife. You know, oh, let's, let's steal that money from the fucking store. You know, and then you're left holding the bag. But the relief is in here. If you can have abstinence from the thoughts, you cannot believe what life can seem like. You know? You'll be free, inherently free, from the bondage of self. I came in, I was thinking, so many people in AA, and I really wish I could just tailor a message, but it never fucking goes that way. Anyway, you know, I just hope I can attempt to whatever be used, really. But if you don't start looking at that which you're taking yourself to be, me, in a great light of suspicion, it's going to keep masquerading as you. That voice that was talking to your head while you were using is still the same voice talking in your head now that you're sober. All it did was change outfits, really. Before it had the tats and the leather jacket, now it's wearing khaki pants and a blue shirt, you know? It's the same thing that was critiquing your drug use is critiquing your program now. That's the disease. That's the true root of the disease. So freedom of thought obviously can't be produced through thought. Yeah? Freedom from feelings can't be produced through feeling. It's prior to it. Prior. It's your, your inherent state. When you were a kid, when you were a little kid, when you were playing, were you thinking, you know, did you go home and critique your playing? Did you go home? I should have been playing better. You know, at recess, at kindergarten, I fucking missed that opportunity. I could have had a lot more fun. No, it's not doing that, is it? Never did. Because first of all, and then the idea of being afraid that while you were playing, will I be playing next week? Never came up. Because time hadn't set up. 
time is a construction of the mental state. It's moving you out of this moment, which you can't, into the next moment. Yeah? You're willing to auction off this moment to a, some mythical, bigger, better moment you think you're going to get at the retreat in the weekend. You know what's going to be at the retreat? The same thing that's here now. Your inherent state was okay before you came in here, okay now, and okay when you leave. That hasn't changed one bit ever. Yeah? When have you ever had a call consciousness to come out through your eyes? Doesn't it feel like two horses breaking your eyelids? You know, it's just whoop. It's unbelievable. It takes no time, doesn't it? It's like, all right, I'm really not feeling great. I did some terrible things there. <laughs> all your convictions don't apply to it. Your annulment of all your crimes is right where you're standing, right where you're sitting. Your inherent consciousness frees you from all those heinous things you seemingly have done. That hasn't gone out, has it? It didn't ever turn away, did it? Hmm. I guess the basket's on the move now. How did that start? It's my signal to cut it off. All right, Paul, cut it off. But you get the little drift of it, yes? If you could recognize the thoughts in your head and just maybe start with the idea that they could be alcoholic thoughts, yeah? And that will give you a little space. And then the freedom in that space will initiate more investigation, yeah? And more possibilities will become possible. And maybe the point of that, what will become possible is that you can be radically free from it, yeah? From the bondage of self. That the problem will not exist for you. That you'll cease fighting everything and anything. And all that stuff. Or like the other thing on page 62 and 63, it says that all the effects of just doing the third step, which is, you know, you'll have a new employer you'll be taken care of. And there's only two requirements to be taken care of. Performance works well, which is service, and stay close to it, which you can't be far from everywhere, can you? Mm-hmm. So there's only one requirement. And what happens? Oh, this will happen. You know, you'll, you have a new employee you'll be taken care of. And then it says if you get established in that view, what happens? Radical quantum leap. Yeah? You'll now feel a new power flow in. You'll sense the presence, the conscious presence. You'll recognize your own spirituality. Yeah? All this stuff will start happening to you just based on turning your willing life over to the care of that higher power. You can go two ways. Through the surrender way or through the investigation way. But it's the same power that's starting to affect you. You know, if I was running today like this, there'd be a point where I would stop, yes? And if I was leaning, there'd be a point I would stop. If I was waving... Waving would stop at one point, yeah? Has thinking been like that? Has thinking been like that? Can you? Oh, I'm not going to think about that anymore. It's going over like a fucking forensic unit that 30 years ago, some perceived crime going over, sifting through. If, if I wouldn't have done this, see, the, but the thing is, it happened. 
the, there's no need to investigate. If something happened, it happened. You don't have the power. Its whole dilemma is its powerlessness because it doesn't get that it's powerless. It believes it could have been different. If I wouldn't have said that, I'd be married to her. It never thinks through of, like the divorce and other shit. The whole marriage and everything would have been great. So then you feel even worse not knowing it now. See it for what it is, and it ain't you. If it's a foreign installment, you can move away from it. Yeah. You can be done with it at least a day at a time. So you'll be like a free-range alcoholic. You'll be running around, and you honor the coop, but you don't have to live in the coop anymore. It's like someone we were talking to today. She's in a lot of pain, but then the fear of money comes up. So she's going to not get what works to relieve the pain because of fear of money. You know how insane that is? <laughs> Fucking go do the right thing for yourself and shit will come. You'll be taken care of. That's the deal. This isn't about becoming martyrs and suffering through. That's the fucking God out here is profit. I remember I was talking to someone. You know, I got I was in the water surfing a couple about a couple years ago, and I hit my head on the bottom, and it happened all of a sudden, and it 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 uh, stopped the brain. I mean, my nervous system went off, so I couldn't move. Luckily, I landed on my back, so I was just bobbing like this, and my brain, which is what's producing the sense of self, wasn't producing it. It was just an incredible, weird, you know, in a like a pause, like a living pause, you know, totally alert and just, and then I got brought out out of the water, and they, I was on this long board, and so they called the ambulance, and paramedics, no, the paramedics first, and they're cutting, they're cutting the uh, wetsuit off, and suddenly the selfing arrived, the selfing, the first thoughts came from selfing, right, and that was, I can't afford the ambulance. You don't need to read 500 pages about it. That's sufficient. You know, like if you're riding on an expensive bike and you fall, you try to save the bike, don't you? That's leading your life? It could give a shit about you. It's just stuck with you because it, you're its idea of relevance. It's identified with you, but it doesn't give a shit about your body. <laughs> Seriously, it would rather have you hurt than lose ten bucks. <laughs> oh, I value myself. I value... No. <laughs> I don't care how much you chant it. It doesn't value you at all. It's actually really pissed about you <laughs> because you limit its affairs. <laughs> They'd like to be getting up to a lot more trouble. <laughs> I had it when I was young. I was doing acid one day. We were supposed to go to... I was living in Long Island. We got to, I was we're going to a Rod Stewart concert back then. I don't know if you remember him. <laughs> little faces. The little... Yeah. So, and so I had this little den where I lived, my house. It wasn't my house, my mother's house <laughs> in the cellar. And so we were, tri I, we were tripping on LSD, and then I had two hits, I took two hits, and I was free, gone. And we were trying to get ourselves, marshal ourselves to get to the train station, you know. And in my head just says, you should take seven downs. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Now, I saw, I had studied about self-preservation, and that sure didn't seem like it was attempting to preserve the body. <laughs> it was self-preservation, but it was the self, not the body. It, 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 it could care less if it killed me, in a sense. Oh, take seven downs. I said, fuck, that's fucking pretty insane. You know what I mean? You're listening to that all freaking day. I like Milestone, but this is an indication something's awry. <laughs> None of us sit at a coffee table thinking about our next vacation and then pick the Milestone brochure. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen. Where I ended up was, I ended up, what happened with me, with my managing my own life, I always managed myself into having to be managed by others. That was basically the situation. Yeah? At first it was short, then it got longer, and probably would have become a long prison sentence because I had to be managed by others if I was managing. Yeah? If I was in the navigation, I was going to be in a dry dock, yes, quite quickly. So when I got this, when it happened with me, it was at a trailer park, and I was drinking Royal Gate Vodka. It was the last drink I ever had uh, in, Lo in San Francisco, outside San Francisco. And what occurred is I was looking at the guy I was with who I didn't know, yeah? and I was confronted with that situation. Many of us are confronted. I really wanted to get high, but I had no money. That was a fucking drag. Because you always have to kiss someone else's ass. Something. You had to do something to get some, because you, no one's going to hire you for a short, temporary job. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I want, can I work for a few hours? No. I don't think so, bro. I don't think we need you. <laughs> so, so, I was there, I'm looking at this guy, and he, he looked, he had a big head, you know. And he was all very overweight, and he had a big, big nose, and it was, and he had varicose veins all over his face. And I said to myself, "This guy's a bum," you know. And lo and behold, I saw him looking at me like I was a bum. <laughs> and that was the moment of clarity. Something almost like a, it was like a portal opened up in not any space, but you know there, and something download, and it was so sudden. And I, I don't like the, the way the first step is said. With the, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. I like how it's said in after how it works, where we we admitted to our innermost self, because there is the self, and that to me this is admitted it was an alcoholic many times to get a drink. It's admitted it was a junkie many times to try to get another shot. But this download pierced through the mental state and went to the innermost. And it was like a CNN news flash, just a headline, no story. And this headline was, I'm fucked. <laughs> and it was finally, it was the last straw that broke the camel's back. I finally admitted to my animal self that fact. And to me and to others that had been viewing me for years, it had been a fact for years. But it was escaping me. <laughs> I still think I thought I had some game left or something. And it was and that changed everything. And it was like a regular day at the office. I had already been in two years and three months of programs. I was done with all that. I I had reached bottoms weren't sufficient to get me here. When I hit a bottom 
I, I furnished it and called you over to hang out, and then, <laughs> then I get the eviction notice and move to a lower bottom, and I didn't see that there was a low enough bottom. I just would adapt. So I had pretty much given up hope, and then something had a different plan in store. I would call it that love in God that's expressing itself in our group conscience. It dropped in this information, and it changed my life on a dime. I never had a drink. I didn't even grab the next pass of the bottle. I just I walked out. I took some actions, and it set off a train of circumstances that brought me great fortune that I didn't feel I deserved. I was at an AA meeting the next day. And from then on, it's just been this... that. That one fact finally being stabilized has been the platform of my whole program, which is I'm fucked. <laughs> because that then makes you malleable in suggestions. That would make you, you would really see the, the incredible gift that you are in in this place. Because that fucking parasite's just waiting to get you alone. You know, I did great. See, when people talk about they're at a 28 day program, and I ask them, what, what's the most important day? And they won't tell me. I say it's the 29th day. It's what you do when you get out of the program. Because when I left the two-year program, I got loaded the first week. I had no defense against the first drink. The building and the people in it were the defense. And that's fucking human power. And that no human power can keep me sober. It's as simple as that. It's been proven over and over again. But something has and something does. And you and I, the we of this program, supports that endeavor unbelievably and allows me to participate in the symbiotic relationship here, which is I have the, you know, I need to carry the message and you need to hear the message and then you need to carry the message and I need to hear the message. And it's like this, it's like a symbiotic energy that just keeps feeding on itself. Yeah. And, you know, this is the tribe. This is where the bus that came into hell to take me out had AA on it, you know. I have a lot of gratitude towards it. Because I'll tell you, man. You can't do it justice by having a story about pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. That was the most insane condition, you know, being in that. Just, I couldn't, to be in a bottom when there's, there's absolutely no, there's not even an observer of the bottom. Even that's in, you know? You're just totally, totally fucked to arrive there. I've never felt anything like that, the, the, uh, the depression of that, you know? So, and yet the parasite won't stop. It's going to use you for transportation. It's not done with you. We don't die usually early. Have you noticed? Alcoholics, a lot of addicts, they, they're not lucky enough to pass away. The host, the parasite only has one host, and it doesn't want to lose you. You know, you'll be limping around with abscesses and fuck, but you keep on keeping on. It's a fucking amazing. <laughs> you wish you could die. You fucking can't kill it. You know what I mean? They huge shots you come to. <laughs> and a lot of people I know who are big users, they go out after years of AA and they die the first weekend. They overdose the first weekend, they're out. To me, that was like a dishonoring of the gift. And then they get all the graces pulled away. And what they would do every day, they, get, they die on. So, 
there is certain, you know, it's it's always freely given and offered, but I think the appropriate response is to honor it, to honor the gift that we have, because your life can go a different way. A new driver can get into your vehicle. Yeah. And I've seen it driving now for 27 and a half something years. I have no complaints with the magic it performs. You just have to stay on the operating table. Don't play the doctor and don't get up. And things get good. Or they are good, really. And they just get keep getting better in some way. I don't mean everything goes your way, but you can... See, someone was told me this once at a meeting. I love it. They, a lot of people do the fourth step and they think everything's going to get better. But really, the fourth step, what the fourth step does is it allows you to accept things as they are. Yeah, which is much more valuable than everything going away. Mm-hmm. To be able to accept what's on offer mm-hmm. is much more valuable than having everything go great. Yeah. So, what time is it? Is that it? Eight, Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock? Oh, yeah. Hours plenty. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> Any questions? No? Yes? I have one. Yep. What are some of the books that uh, inspired you? The big book. Yeah, that was a trick question. What? What are some of the spiritual books? You want to hear, or just say I could just tell you afterwards. It's up to you. We'll keep it a secret between us then. But if you're interested, I'll tell you. Just come up. Okay. The teachings of Hoang Po. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> it's an old Zen master from China. I think he's got some of the clearest takes on it. So the teachings of Hoang Po. I'll I'll pre- read it to you. I am that. Another book by a, from a great master, transcriptions of talks from India, called Nizagadatta Maharaj. I am that. It's very good, I think. Books on books about Ramana Maharshi. I like the uh, the talks of Ramana Maharshi. These are people that talk about the precondition that alcoholism affixes to, which is the identification as a self, as the root of the problem. Yeah. We, to me, what alcoholism is and addiction, it's sort of like there's the, there's the identification as a self, and let's say it's acoustic guitar. You, you add alcoholism and addiction to it, it's electric. Yeah? So, yes. So it's, a, it's the, same, the same Petri dish, which is the identification as self, but we're an extreme subdivision of that called alcoholics and addicts. So the selfing goes to such an extreme, which is wonderful if you can live through it, because then you'll be able to recognize it easier. Most people don't see any of the heists that are going on. We get our whole life ripped away from us, and then soon, sometimes, because of AA, we can come to the light. We can realize that this was a possession. Kind of didn't feel like that. After two years in Delancey Street, when I went back out, it was like a fucking possession. It was like I was a horse and the old jockey came, yeah? And I knew the old jockey and I was trying to kick and, oh, but he's going, don't worry, you'll be different this time. Don't worry. 
just let me get this leg over. And then as soon as it was on me, it was talking as me. There was no discussion. I was, you know, off for 10 months. And then, you know, then I washed up on the shores of AA. That's exactly what happened. So, uh, let's see. The Course in Miracles, but I would recommend to read that with people. Yeah, because it can be pretty intense, but the lessons are really good. And there's 365 lessons a day, a year. You do one a day, and it's pretty easy to follow. And then you'll see, because you'll see your perceptions change. And alcoholism is a disease of the mind and perceptions. So you're seeing threats when there aren't any threats a lot of times. You're thinking everyone's talking about you. They're too busy up their own ass or self. They're not talking about you. Yeah? All this stuff. So you're, we're, living a, we're living like an interpretation, basically. Yeah? It's like when you were a kid, you used to run into a room, right? Just run into a room. And then there was a point where it changed, where every time you went into a room, you, you were accompanied by thought. Why do, how do I look? Do they like, you know? Yeah. This is what, we grew into this mental state, therefore we can grow out of the mental state. It wasn't inherently in place. When you're a baby, you're, there's no sense of self. It has to be produced in time, and that's what we're living under now. Yeah? You can outgrow it, but you have to be able to entertain the possibility. See, this is how it neuters the possibility. If you're identified as it, you cannot entertain being free of it. People kill themselves trying to get free of it. They shoot their body because they're identified with it. They don't see any possible... They've tried everything, and they're still driving them crazy. They finally take their own life. Yeah, But they shot the wrong person. They have. Where does most of your troubles come from? One's head, yes? The coconut. The coconut, yes. The milk is soured in the coconut. Yes. Well, someone says, your ego is not your amigo. (laughs) 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 It's true, isn't it? What goes over your day? (laughs) Your digestion system? No. No. Do you think you're digesting your own food? Obviously not. But do you believe you're the thinker of the thoughts? Why is it? Why is the thoughts held in such a different esteem than the other faculties of the body experience? The thoughts are being produced by the brain. Yeah? But we believe they're ours, they're mine. I don't, I don't take credit for digesting the burrito I had earlier today. And I'm not going over the burrito for the next 20 years. Should I eat? What? I didn't really get that one pinto bean. I should have broke that down. You know what I mean? I realize I don't have much to do with the digestion, so it's never really not much. I don't put tons of attention on it. But because we believe we're the thinker and the feeler, then the feelings and thoughts are used to bond us to this idea of being what? The feeler and the thinker. And that's the bondage of self. Thinking happens, but is there a thinker to it? Yeah. Life is happening, but is life happening to you? Life happening to you is an interpretation from where? The mental state. Life is happening is the experience of being alive here. They're both on offer, 
We've led, we've, we've been fed by one for many years, and look at what it's done. And the antidote is always available at all times, right where we are. The spirit is right where we are right now. We seem to need a middleman, and the middleman for most of us is AA. That's why in AA, when they, you know, you get to the third step, it says make a decision to turn your willing life over. Yeah. The thing is, see, why wouldn't it just say, turn your willing life over, and then there would be no more steps? Yeah? And it would sound like it made sense if your life was under your jurisdiction. But you and I have been taken over by a parasite, and we can't turn our life over anything. So we have to make a decision to turn our will and life, and it's followed up by doing certain things called four through nine, to break the bondage of self, to diminish the mental condition, so that the spiritual condition can rise. Yeah? It's, we're assuming that we have something that's not under our control. Life. I can't turn over my life because it's not my life. Something has already taken it over. Yeah? So I have to go through a middleman or an intermediary, which are the steps. So I do five through nine... And then a higher power gets introduced to the mix, and the higher power is sufficient to diminish the effects of the lower power, the parasite. You get freed from alcoholism a day at a time. And then to, to maintain that, you do 10, 11, and 12. And you make the A agenda your agenda. You practice these principles in all your affairs, and if you can't do that, limit your affairs for a while. Seriously. And you try to help be of help to other people to achieve sobriety. That's the main agenda. You adapt that one, yeah? And it looks like you're going to lose, but you win in the losing. I could turn my life over to almost anyone in this room, not everyone, but some, most of you, and you would do a better job with it than I ever did because you don't have the interest that I have in it. The interest is the disease. When you get interested in others, you'll feel better. It doesn't, the logic we're saddled with doesn't get it. You don't get it that you have it by giving it away. No Coke dealer is practicing that tonight. Not one Coke dealer is going, I have all this Coke here, here. But this is how it works in this ball game we're in. In this quote-unquote spiritual ball game, that's how it works. It doesn't go the way this place goes. It goes contrary to it. And so when you try to figure it out with this failed system, it's not going to make sense. If I'm not thinking about myself all day, well, who else is going to promote me? <laughs> well, see. Yes. I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but like, okay, so as you're doing four and, and whatnot, you need to get the defects of character, right? So you said something about your thoughts with the parasite are just thoughts until you make them actions. So if I take the parasite and put it into action in the steps and realize, because defects of character is an ongoing thing, that's why they keep making steps repetitive, right? So... As and obviously defects of characters come when in using and not using as well. So how do we control the parasite from changing defects of character after the fault with the action? We don't, but that other power can. Okay, that's what I'm asking. By wow. surrendering to the higher power. By admitting, yes, 
that you, you cannot change that which doesn't seem to be changed by you. And then, then the possibility of it changing occurs. Yeah? So how do I let the air out of the balloon? By doing service, being available to others. You'll lose interest in the self, and you'll gain interest in others. So start gaining interest in others, and then you'll lose interest in the self. Yeah? Isn't there like a fine balance between that? <laughs> 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 That's you'll know when it is, or, or you'll have a sponsor that can point it out to you. Mm-hmm. You know, but give it a shot if you haven't tried it. I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of the defects of character—it's sort of like someone asked me this, and I said it's sort of like my dog shit on the neighbor's lawn. I'm not responsible. I'm accountable for that. Yeah, I sh- I don't get embarrassed that oh my dog shit on his lawn because it ain't my dog, it's just a dog. Yeah, but you see what I mean. So we're not responsible for what's happened when we're under the influence, but we're accountable for it. Like it says, if you get the first step, the first statement, we are powerless. Wouldn't be, wouldn't that be like? Display that that thing of you're dancing with a gorilla and you're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. Powerless means I have no say in the matter. So when I'm under the influence, I have shown in my own experience that I'm apt to do almost anything unless you could physically stop me. Yeah? So, but then why are we, why is the mental state keep going back into the things that we did and harvesting guilt and shame out of it? That clarity isn't there yet, the powerlessness. Yeah? If you really got that, you, when I had the, my first amend, in a way, when I was a year sober, caught me by surprise. I was with my new girlfriend, and I was with my best friend, we used to ride motorcycles, and we went to his place, and I was this new girlfriend I was obviously trying to impress, and as we were going up the stairs to his apartment, a woman came down who had, and had jeans on, and she had paint on the jeans. And I was a house painter, right? So we went in his room, and we're having tea or something, coffee. And then he goes back to the bike and comes back and says, my neighbor wants to talk to you. And I thought she wanted some advice because she, she was painting her apartment. This, yeah. So she comes into the room where we're all sitting, and she goes, hello, Paul. And she says, don't you remember me? You owe me $500. So I had had, she had moved into a place I had had, and I gave her, gave her the old story, well, you got to put $500 for the deposit, but I deposited it in my pocket. You know? <laughs> and so there I was, sort of caught with my pants down. You know, I'm trying to impress the girl and this and that. And usually, even the thought of what I used to do used to produce guilt and shame. But there I was, totally caught, and no guilt and shame arose because I had gotten one simple idea in the first year of AA that it's a disease, that I'm suffering from something. Yeah, I'm accountable for it, but I'm not responsible for it. When I drink and use, I will do anything. Yeah. So the, the first, I got relief from that guilt and shame because I saw it's not about me, really. Yeah. Let it expand. Yeah. Let it expand so that you won't shut the door in the past. You won't regret it, though. Yeah. You won't be, the mental state loves to go back there and blame you for tons of shit that you had no say in the matter. There was enough intoxicants in you, you're apt to do anything. Why is it that you keep letting that guilt and shame ruin your day-to-day? 
If you're powerless, you're powerless. It's time to get off your own hook. Let this power do what it can possibly do. If you're willing to receive, a lot of a lot will be given. Yeah. But usually what closes us down from receiving is we don't believe we deserve it. That we cross too many lines. That ba-da-ba. It's all this head playing God. You have to see the biggest principle of AA is the third step. But what precedes the statement about the third step? It says, first, you have to quit playing God. Next, then the third step. What's playing God? Yeah. If you realize you're not that which is playing God, that's quitting playing God. You see that that head that's telling me at 8 in the morning what it's going to be like at 5 in the afternoon, yeah? that head that's going to tell me, oh, I know fucking you, never open to that person again. That head that's telling me how I was, how you were, how you are now, how you're going to be, how I'm going to be, that's playing God. Admit that you can't stop playing God, right? Admit it. But if you see that you're not that which is playing God, that's God stopping playing God. The mental state will still play in God, but the God of you will wake up. Yeah? And it's the higher power. And you'll have an immunity to the playing God of the selfing, of the mental state. You won't be directed by thought. You'll be directed by something, but not thought. See how your day goes. And if it goes well, keep entertaining. More will be added onto us. It's a possibility you give it its expansion. Your mind is always entertaining. Right now we're entertaining saddled by a very small view called self-centeredness. So when we entertain okayness, it's put into the future. I will be okay. Yeah? That's that's slavery. When you entertain the possibility you're not that, you can entertain being free from it. Yeah. Now. Yep. So that's it, right there. Got a frame question. Um, relapse as a part of the journey. And what I mean by that is, in your over twenty years of experience, I'm sure you have seen people who've gotten to a place in the journey, relapse, and then not necessarily died, like come back. Can you can you speak to your experience with that? My experience is that it's, it's easier to stay sober than to get sober. And I see it as a thing that goes on in my community. People with 20 years or more that go out usually have a hell of a time getting back in. My first fairy princess in AA, I met her when I was a year sober. She was six months. She went out at 21 years, and she's now been going through six years of in and out she can't seem to get it and I've seen that happen a lot they they want they don't that magic and grace that was all available is not available and they want to drink every day which that had been removed so and they hate the meetings so what do you think is happening spiritually? I think the parasite had its chance and took over yeah and it's took over sufficiently that you seem to be brought blocked from the sunlight of the spirit 
because you're probably still thinking now that you're identified as the parasite, the sunlight of the spirit has to be outside of you. When you're not identified as the parasite, the sunlight of the spirit is you. Yeah? You can't be blocked from it because you are it. It's sort of like, let's say there's a, there's the sun and there's you. Yeah? And there's clouds. Okay? There's clouds, sun, you. And you want to get the sun. But the cloud in the right location could block you off from the sun. Yes? In this position. So now the cloud has a lot of power. This little misty little fucking thing that's changing can get moved in front of the sun and there's no light. You're not getting any sunlight. Yeah? Yes? So what do you have to do? Pray for someone to remove the cloud, do this and do that. But what if you realize you're not where you think you are and maybe you find yourself on the sun side, you still see the clouds, but the clouds have no way of blocking you off from the sun because you are on the sun side, yeah? That's the spiritual condition. The thoughts and the clouds and the actions don't have the power to block you off from the sunlight of the Spirit because you are the sunlight of the Spirit. It's different, yes? It's not opening up to the sunlight of the Spirit. It's you are the sunlight of the Spirit. And how does that tie in with that? Like, went out, lost their spirituality, came back and got it again. That period of, like, not having it. Well, they came in and they fucking took it a day at a time until they got back into the openness of it. I'd imagine. I don't know. A lot of people I know who've gone out don't go back in. Not after 20-something years. They have a real bit of a time doing it. It's like I was saying before with the junkies. They've shot thousands of times. They go out and the first weekend they pass away. When they've lived through eight years of shooting, they die that first weekend. This is what can happen, you know? I think you honor it while you have it. I don't think it's part of the journey, relapse. It can be for people, but I don't believe it's a prescribed part of the journey. You can stay sober. Yeah? And then you can... What happens to me in AA, I couldn't learn from myself, my own experience... I came in AA, I can learn from other people's experiences. Everyone can run a great program out of their bedroom, but you've got to be in the mix. This is where I hear what it's like. yeah. And then there can be gratitude that, hey, it's not like that for me, or it's gratitude that it is like that for me, based on what the share, where the share is coming from. yeah. But without mixing with us, with us, in isolation, the parasite has a great, great, great ability to sway. Yeah, it'll be talking to you all day, won't it? It's persistent, or like they say, it's patient. It waited out two years in Delancey Street and had me when I walked out. And it didn't seem to be sweating it at all. (laughs) It sort of knew it it was just a matter of time before it got back on me. It could care less, you know, two years, five years, it didn't matter. Yep. Uh, I have a question. I, uh, I went on your website a little, and uh, I, I read a little bit about you. And hearing your poem here, I was just wondering, uh, how is this? How does this relate to the eighth tradition of AA? The professionalism in AA. AA should remain forever non-professional. Because you solicit money on your website, and you sell books, and 
To me, that was, that was the burning question. Like, that seems to be professionalism to me. Making money off the message. But the message isn't really rooted in AA. It's because I'm in AA that is sometimes framed by AA, but it's not an AA message. I've never called this an AA meeting. You know what I mean? You talk a lot about AA, though. Well, I'm at an AA group. If you go to another meeting in Philadelphia, I won't talk about it at all, because it's non-AA. Yeah. But this is my experience. But I'm not trying to make money on AA. The book doesn't say AA on it, does it? You didn't see the book. No, I saw it on your website. Yeah, yeah. And you solicit money on your website? Like I don't... Say. Well, solicit, we ask for donations. Well, you have to live, bro. Everybody's got to live. I'm just saying the traditions there for a reason. It's there in NA, it's there in AA. And it's just, you know, your message, I think, gets diluted if I think there's a motive behind it other than spiritual. If there's a financial motive, I'm, I'm not really going to pay attention. That's, that's why. Oh, that's a shame, then. Do you know? It's a shame. It's a shame to all the doctors and everything. Oh, uh, do you think? I don't know. I don't really. I don't want to exclude myself in some weird way, but I don't see this as professional AA to me. I don't. This is in this whole tour I'm doing right now. These are the only days that I'm doing it as an AA thing. The rest of it is all non-duality. It's called. Yeah. And we just pass a basket to help my, you know, be able to go around. When you when you get a speaker from a AA convention, they usually get paid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they're not soliciting. They're you know writing books. Sure, they are. They're writing books. Not all of them. Well, not all of them, but some of them are for sure. What? Joe and Charlie, I know Joe and Charlie. I saw them three years. They were You paid money to go see them. You did. I did anyway. Yeah. But I understand your view, but I just don't agree with it. I don't, see, I don't think I'm presenting a professional AA. How many times have you seen me? This, this is it. Oh, yeah. This so. is it. Yeah, well, maybe, if, I don't know, maybe well, take, how, you know, comment to me afterwards. Yeah, but, you know, maybe just check out the site more if you want. Try it out. And then if you still have your opinion, you have your opinion. I, I take it in, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to stick. I don't feel like I'm going against the eighth tradition of AA. What do you think the eighth tradition is? I'm reading it right now. Alcoholics and officers should remain forever non-professional, professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Right now, I'm like a special worker, if you want to look at it that way. No? No, no. no that's, that's, that's like in the AA office in the city. That's what that... Do you think it's just that? No, come on, Greg. If you want to talk, yeah, let's, yeah, I think we'll end there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, if you want to further talk with me. Well, yeah. I, I have trouble with the parasite. Talks really loud, really strong, and I really was with when you said we are before the thought, and the peace is there, and and I have that, and I feel it, and 
not all the time. Then you briefly you mentioned feelings were in there, like how real are feelings, like my thoughts and what I think is one thing, then feeling affects a little bit more, yeah. or a little bit different things. Yes. So where, where everybody says, well, your feelings aren't real or this or that, but feelings are directing the parasite too. I don't mind, I don't say about feelings. I just I question the my of the feeling. Yeah, feelings and thoughts happen, but it's the sense of the my that they're yours. That's where I question. So it's up there, money and my. Yes, and yeah, money. yeah, yes. It's always to me. It's looking at the the movement, uh, the mental state's movement. Its primary movement is the claim. Yes, so it doesn't have a life, so it claims activities of life. So the thoughts are held as I'm the thinker, or they're about me. The feelings are held as I'm the feeler. Yeah? You see? So it's an act of claiming. And the body is called mine. So even like the vocal cords of this body, they sound, your voice, your, your thoughts sound like this. And you think they're yours because you're identified with the body. They're just the sound of a vocal cord. The brain is mimicking this sound because this is the body it's located in. But we... We take it to be our, my voice, my sound, because we're identified as the body. So you see, the identifying, the claiming is the same movement. Yeah? So the selfing identifies itself with the body and then claims the actions of the body or its, its. And yet this body, as alcoholics and addicts, can be taken over easily by the drink, by the drugs. And then behaviors will be produced and all the while, we're saddled with seeing them only in one light, which is their my actions. And therefore, fucking incredible remorse and guilt gets produced. Can you imagine if you were freed, not from the action, but from the my? Yeah? Things would be easy. See, just look at problem, my problem. They're totally different. A problem, my problem. You don't see the bigger problem is the my? Because there's 30 problems, but there's always the one mind. There's 800,000 thoughts, but there's always the one thought of I'm the thinker. You see? That's where the bondage lies. It's using thoughts, it's using feelings to bind you to this idea of being a someone. Selfing. Yeah. Yep. So when you have a thought that, say, is a thought that you want to give your attention to, like a good thought, do you think of that as like your higher self? And then, no. No? And no. like, do you, because I know like sometimes like if you have like a negative, you know, I'm going to call it not an alcoholic thought, but a parasite thought, like that's your lower self. And, right? Like how? Like, no, I just see there's thoughts and they're either being used or they're not. The ones that aren't being used can be useful. The ones that are being used, they're not useful. So if you don't have a useful I'm in the habit of not giving thoughts attention. Uh, well, you'll have plenty of that. There's tons of thoughts. So, uh, it's like the court is open all night. You can bounce the balls all day. Well, the, the release of being the thinker is the really where the surrender lies. Because to see, see people in a way, generally think, all right, I don't, there's, 
we got to get rid of thoughts. We don't really have to get rid of thoughts. They're not ours to get rid of. They're like, this is like a popcorn maker. The corn's in there, and we're running into situations, and it's producing friction, and pop things are popping all day. Yeah? But the idea that they're yours can be relieved. Yeah? That's where the real relief is. It's not in, I'm never going to have a thought again, or I'm never going to have a feeling again. But the relief is at the my. And then you realize there's thoughts and feelings. That's just what happens here. But they're not yours. It's the you. It's like we think thoughts are driving us crazy, but we're the gravitational pull. The, idea, the, the selfing pulls the thoughts in with the, with the gravitational pull of my. And then the thoughts seem to orbit around you. So you become the planet Paul with all these moons. Yeah? So everyone wants to move the moons away, but it's our own pull when we're identified that keeps those in, in orbit. If you lose the planet Paul, the, moon, the moons would move out. If you lose the interest in the thoughts, there'll be space. And you're, you're the space. Yeah? Yeah, that's the presence. That's the spiritual presence. When you feel presence, don't you feel it at times? You feel a presence. That's what you're feeling. You're feeling the space between thoughts. And the space gets bigger and it's more obvious to feel. Yeah? You are that... When the selfing stops, something continues. You are that which continues when the selfing stops. Yeah? The selfing can't go on all day. It just says it's been on all day. There's many gaps where there's freedom from it. We just it doesn't put a it doesn't put a marker there. It sees that as a speed bump and just like you'll forget a miracle that you that happened in the morning in about three hours. But you're constantly reengaging with the resentment that you thought you had forty years ago. You got to see the bias of the mental state. It's not objective. It's leaning in one direction already. Just like simple. If you're having a good time, how long does it last before you start thinking about it? <laughs> that you don't deserve it. You, this isn't why I can't. She's going to find out. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's going to figure it out. Yeah, but if you're seemingly having a bad day, it's, it says, oh, this is the beginning of a lifelong depression. <laughs> You've got to realize, why would you want that to be the theme setter of your life? Why would you want to live under that slavery if there was a possibility to be free from it? Why? Are you going to... It's like the old story with the snake. You know, the snake is dying. They, this lady saves the snake, puts it in a shoebox, puts a nice little comforter in there, gets a little eyedropper, feeds it, and, you know, cleans its little scales. And then two days later, it's walking with it in the box, and the snake bites her. And the girl, lady goes, why did you bite me, Mr. Snake? I've been so nice to you. Hey, I'm a snake. The parasite is a parasitical movement, is a parasitical movement, is a parasitical movement. You're not going to fucking turn it into your friend. That's <laughs> right, <laughs> 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 definitely. It's, well, that's how it gets its foot in the door. It doesn't want to be your friend. It wants to be the thumb, thumb that's on top of you. Don't you think, look at what playing God implies. To me, something is playing God. What would be playing God? Well, something that 8 in the morning says what it's going to be like at 4 in the afternoon. Wouldn't that be playing God? Wouldn't that be playing God that you, you are so sure you know who you are, who you're going to be, 
who they are. It's all baloney. And to let that dictate your day, define your day, you're going to want to fucking drink. Or something. You're going to want to, hey, I fucking want some relief. i got to blow some of this pressure off. Yep. I got a, it's not a question, it's a comment, really. I understand the whole self thing that you've got going on. (laughs) 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 No, I just want to say, like, the most cancerous thing that basically runs this time period that we're in and that I don't agree with is the fact that, like, the epitome of self in right now is the whole hashtag selfie Facebook era. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's so cancerous for the soul. It really is. Like, I, I opened a Facebook account like three months ago. I had to delete it. It's, it's, it's selfie. Like, what, why do I need to go on there to broadcast what I'm doing? <laughs> well, you want to ask their opinion about should you have a sesame bagel or an onion bagel? Yeah, like it's ridiculous. Well, that's the see, That's the mental state wedding with technology. Wait. Wait to see what's going to happen. The mental state is wedding with technology. It's going to manifest. It's going to mutate with the help of technology. That's why you go to parks and there's a beautiful day and a girl, young girl is just sitting there on the bench taking pictures of herself. Ten minutes. This is what's happening. It's about it's you it's you twenty four hours all about you all the time. It's just to me it's just another form of manifestation of the of the unrest or the dissatisfaction of the mental state. It's irritable, restless, and discontent. It's agitated and it promotes more agitation. And it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. It's never going to be satiated. Did you ever hit shoot enough coke? Where you said that's enough. Thank you, Coke. <laughs> I've reached my level of total satiation. I honor you. Here's all my bindles. I walk away. No, you've got to. You know, if you ever did good Coke and shot it, and maybe you read, you enjoyed it for ten minutes. Next shot, eight minutes. Next shot, five minutes. Next, boom, 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 boom. It's like every other addiction. And the mother or father of all addictions is the mental addiction to self. That's what's causing everything, all of it. That's where the real relief lies, yeah? If you can lose interest in the self, you'll gain interest in a lot, a lot, a lot of other possibilities. But see, it protects you. It protects itself because many people are trying to lose interest in self as a self. So they want to be here to get it. It's sort of like that advertising for a great party and every time you arrive it sucks. You gotta see something there. <laughs> the potentiality is great until you get there. Yeah? And the selfing it only takes five hundredth of a second for the selfing to arise. Yeah? In time. It's like the fastest gunslinger here. No, no matter what practice and process you try to beat it, it can outgun it. Because you'll be feeling like you're the one who's doing it. That's the sense of self. But timelessness, or, or I would say spirit, timelessness is, will never get beaten by that gunslinger because timelessness guns out all the time. It can never be outdrawn. And that's where you're at. You have that possibility right where you are right now. It's not for you. It's from you. From. Freedom from. 
That's why I talk about priorness. The solution is prior to the problem. Yeah? The problem starts after I think. The I that you are is before you think. It doesn't say think I, it's I think. That I is prior to thought. Yep. It's gotten feisty again. Great. <laughs> I just wonder, after so many years, how the disease like sneaks in to you. Because for me, I it used to be like very obvious. So my I call, you know my parasite. I call my disease. I, yeah. and, and it's so clear. It used to be. And now it, it like knows I got smart to it. So it gets sneakier and sneakier. Yeah. And today I came here and let me tell you I was having a bad day. You know, yeah. and I, I kept telling myself I'm having a bad day, and it was over a fucking toilet paper roll. I, they they don't change a fucking toilet paper roll, and I had to do it every oh, time. And I say, why don't you change a toilet paper roll? And I do it, and I do it, and and I I said to myself, why the fuck do you let a toilet paper roll ruin your day? That's not you. And I was aware of it, and I knew it, and I said I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna be happy. But that seed was fucking planted, and I got home and I didn't I hope for the dishes, and now. You know, I'm letting yeah. myself go, and it's my disease, and it's so sneaky, because it, it just, it takes something so stupid now, and I couldn't see that it was the disease, you know, because it, it, it knows me, it knows that I know a little bit, I know a couple steps, so it can't talk to me the way it used to, so now it tells me I'm not okay over some bullshit that I don't give a fuck about, I, that was not acceptable, and it, who cares, who cares? Why? It's like I get stuck and I was aware of it and I was just stuck all day. Every little thing. I couldn't stop noticing. And I know it's my disease, but I got stuck there. And I fucking hate having bad days because I'm so positive and I, and I love to find the good in things and find my gratitude in every single moment. And when I got stuck, I get so aggravated. I couldn't even see it was a disease. You know, until now. <laughs> you know, so that's, you know. I got, well, okay, so let's say until now. Now, t- tomorrow you'll see more of the beast. Mm-hmm. And if you yep. can see it, you're not it. Mm-hmm. More will be revealed. Mm-hmm. So that's the process in time. <laughs> you stay on the operating table. The principles are sound. You entertain what makes sense to you. and Don't, don't entertain it. If you find some fault in it, there will be more possibilities offered. And more will be revealed. And you'll become more, more dominant than the thoughts. Yeah? You outshine them. You were there when it was bad today, and now you're free from it this second, and you're still here. That which the selfing stops many times during the day, and yet you continue. You are that which is continuing. Yeah? You are not what you are not that which the selfing points to. You are not a historical action figure. You don't have seventy years here. Yeah? You're not constantly moved by time every second of every fucking day. You can, you can entertain the pause, and, be, and that pause is like an eternal moment, a timeless moment in time. And in that pause, it can be like an eternity where it would pe- seem like it passed in one second. That pause is what you are. It's not like you're having a pause. You are the pause. Yeah? You are the pause having you, basically having a you then the identification becomes you when it becomes you the story becomes printed and becomes your only bestseller 
You're the only person that reads it. You're waiting for the fifth edition. Added chapters. Because it's all about you. And that's what we're interested in. Take away the you and your interests will be freed and go somewhere else. And see where it goes. To me, I found I've had experiences. I've gotten the results of where it goes and fucking I'm happy about it. See, if you're up the ass of self, sometimes it looks like the only thing you can do is find like a divine proctologist. You know what I mean? You've got to have someone pull you out. But when you pull out, what it does, it tends to say you scurried back. What would happen when it said it scurried back, you realize you weren't that? The mental state would go up the ass, but you don't. That's when things really change. If you stop calling the mental activities yours or you, you'll start becoming free of them. Simple as that. Yeah. Seriously, you would, you would see the insanity that's going on in here if it said Paul in your head. And you would turn the channel. It's only when it's produced as yours that you've been, you've been a lifelong subscriber. You know what I mean? It's like unclear channel. You know that big franchise? Clear channel. It's unclear channel. We're all like, we're, we're all getting downloads from one fucking satellite. I, me, mine. <laughs> and we can't we don't think the knob changes we don't think hey it could be turned to a tune to another another frequency you can pick up a modality of mind that's not centered on self you can you can but intuition can start occurring more often in wisdom, which isn't a thought. It's a, you get a sense. You start knowing things before you're thinking about them. Because to me, thinking about something just neuters it. You call it knowing, but it takes the life out of it. It's like going to a river, and you want to know the river, so you get a glass and you put, get some of the river. But it's missing the main essence, which is rivering. <laughs> it's, it's not happening you know it this is the water from the river but it's not rivering this is what we do when self claims knowledge it becomes self knowledge that avails us nothing we know shit but it doesn't bring us a tactile sense or a presence we just know it Yeah, it's like the biggest booby prize this isn't about knowing it's about finding out you can know self, you can know about self, and in knowing self, you'll realize it's not you, and you'll find out what you are. By living, by living, by rivering, you'll realize you're the river. Actually not, you're rivering, period. There's no, it's just verbing, there's no noun at all, anywhere. Everything is just verbing. So, that's it, Yes? We're all going to get together, take a selfie. Yeah. <laughs>